This episode of the e-commerce playbook podcast is brought to you by Wayflyer. If you need to purchase more inventory, if you need to have more money to put towards advertising, or really if you need working capital for anything else in your business, when we needed capital, they were a great partner to us. Go check out wayflyer.com. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the show where we talk in as real and honest and clear and real time terms as possible about what it's really like to run e-commerce businesses from someone uh, who has been an operator, a CEO of of multiple e-commerce businesses and now is consulting across also a lot of different size businesses, different spaces, all those kinds of things. So taking what I am learning in real time, what I'm seeing in real time, including a lot of mistakes that I've made and trying to turn them into actionable insights for you. If you're new to the show, I, I haven't said who I am and what it is for a while. So there you go. There's what that is. Today on the show, I want to talk um, really practical and answer to a question that I got from a listener that I thought was a great question. And the, the question was about um, how do you determine the percentage of your revenue that goes into ad spend? How do you think about how much money you should be spending on ads relative to your revenue? Um, and that was a question that was DM'd to me on Twitter. I think it's a great question. I'm going to dive into exactly how I think about that question today. So if that's something you want to think about, about uh, the financial core of your business with how you allocate ad spend, uh, stay tuned, listen in, let's dive in. So this is a, a crucial question for any business and it's really, really core in an e-commerce in particular. Um, it just matters so much to think well about the question of how much money you should be spending on ads. Um, you know, in if you're running a primarily wholesale business, then the, the main way you're expecting to get eyes on your product uh, is through retail placements in stores and how you sell through is going to be related to all kinds of questions from you know, how your packaging looks and how, you know, how good of a job you do marketing on that small space potentially to, you know, ad spend to support that. And, um, if you're in the right store and all kinds of other stuff as well. But, um, but if you're running a D to C business primarily, then, then advertising is very likely a key way, maybe the key way you're actually driving revenue, um, and driving traffic to your site. And that means that you need to be thinking very well about how much money to spend on that. And let me just start from a very broad perspective. The, the, question, the question that I got asked, just, just so we're clear, was um, from all the brands you've seen, what would you say is a healthy percentage of ad spend of total revenue for, for a growing brand? For a growing brand. That's an important clarification in the question, for a growing brand. And I should say outright, I do think this answer is, the answer to this question is going to be different based on how big and what stage of business your business is in. But for a growing brand. And um, and so, you know, there's one thing you could say right away, which is, um, you know, you've heard me talk on this show about the, a basic heuristic of four quarter accounting. The notion is if you think about the sort of the ideal P and L for an e-commerce business being 20, being divided into four quarters, 25% of your revenue, um, goes to cost of goods. 25% of your revenue goes to OPEX. 25% of your revenue goes to advertising. The leftover 25% is your profit. Now, that's an incredible e-commerce business if you're running that business. It is, um, and you know, a lot of e-com businesses, the OPEX is probably going to be a little lower than that uh, for a number of reasons. In the remote world, you know, you probably don't have a building to pay for. That helps. Um, all those things, you know. Um, and, and most times, advertising is going to be higher. And, and the big point of variation for a lot of brands is going to be where their unit economics work out. Uh, that is how much they're uh, spending on cost of goods. But that begins to get at 
the specifics of the answer to a question like this. And, and that was my answer was like, there's no way for me to answer. And I think it's important to recognize there's no way for me to answer in advance the question, how much is a healthy percentage of money to spend on ads? Because there are way too many contextual factors, but it helps us to answer the question if we start thinking about what those contextual factors are. Okay. So first there's sort of an obvious one, which is your unit economics. A business that has um, a landed margin of 75% is going to think about how much money they can spend on ads very different than a business that has a landed margin of 35%. You have much less margin to give in the latter situation than you do in the former one. And therefore you have, depending on a number of other factors that we'll get into in a second, you have much less money to spend as a percentage of your revenue and create profit on a purchase. Okay. Um, so unit economics is the first one. And, um, if you want a place to start with this, in the show notes, there is a link to a unit economics calculator for you to use so that you can calculate your own unit economics. By that term, I just mean the breakdown in costs related to the product itself, um, sort of variable costs. Let me tell you what goes into that. Um, well, let me finish saying. Uh, there's a link to a calculator to help you determine um, sort of what is your break-even ad spend on first purchase relative to your specific unit economics. Okay, so essentially how much are you paying in all of these factors and sort of a, at a level, not of cash flow, but of, of, um, you know, just sort of raw profit. Uh, how much are you paying to get to the total amount? How much margin do you have on a single purchase? Okay. So, um, that's what I mean by unit economics. And so what, what that is, what that includes, of course, would be things like most obviously first your, your true gross margin. So that's your raw cost of goods and cost of packaging. Um, those two things together, that would give you your initial gross margin. But of course, in e-commerce, you're you're sending um, you're sending product out to customers, and therefore you need to pay shipping on that. You may be charging for shipping, but that would be something I would factor into an average order value as a as something that you play with, not as necessarily a fixed thing forever. But the shipping is going to be a relatively variable cost um, relative to uh, your business and uh, how much it weighs and all that kind of stuff. Um, so gross margin, including packaging, uh, you know, in terms of actual raw cogs. Okay. And then, um, secondly would be, uh, would be shipping costs. And then of course, um, fulfillment would be another, uh, would be another cost that would be separate from shipping. Uh, depending on if you're shipping product yourself, or if you're working with a three PL, uh, those things could make a big difference. And so, um, if you want to, uh, so you need to factor that into how you're, um, to, to your unit economics. Um, that, and that's not everything, uh, that gets you a lot of the way there, but there's also typically merchant processing fees on nearly everything you're doing, uh, nearly everything you're working on. So, so if you're processing payments, typically you're paying about 3% to your credit card providers, Shopify, etc. Uh, and so there's that, you know, I think Shopify is like what 2.7% plus depending on what plan you have plus 30 cents on every order or something like that. So, um, that is a that is a variable cost that's associated with every order. So you should you should factor that in to your unit economics, right? That that like you are paying that three percent, and so it, it's essentially cost of you know another way you would say this would be like cost of delivery. Okay, that's just going to go into it. So it's broader than just cogs, but like cost of delivery would be sort of those those variable costs. So um, so get all of those right, line all of those up right, and then by the way, there's one more which is returns. Uh, and if you're looking at a true P and L. Um, you, you put discounts in this category as well, but let's just assume you've calculated your discounts and you're thinking about the actual dollars coming in, okay? Um, but returns would be another one. You know, if you're an apparel company, this is a huge factor. Uh, apparel companies are 
because people are going to try stuff on, it doesn't fit right. They're going to send stuff back or they want to see how they look in it. You know, apparel companies are running 25% return rates. Swimsuit companies like are running 40% return rates sometimes, you know? So, um, so there's all those factors. If you're running other businesses, it can often be less than 5%. But that would be another aspect where you're selling something and then people are sending it back and you should factor in a projected returns percentage, uh, into those costs. So start there, break all of that out. And that gives you at least a baseline sense of your profitability. Now that does not give you a sense of cash flow because cash moves between all of those things in really different ways. Let me give you a really clear example. Um, typically if you are paying a manufacturer for a product, let's say you even have pretty good terms on that product. You are, you're paying there's first like what you pay to the manufacturer themselves. And then there's often overseas freight to get it to you. And that can be different with different payment terms. Um, often you are fronting money for those kinds of things. If you're in a great position, you're you know net 30 on delivery or something like that. So you're not paying for your product until 30 days after it arrives. But that's not the world that most people are living in right now. If you can get there, and it really helps a lot. On the other hand, um, fulfillment uh, and shipping, those often are, are paid after you've received money from a customer. And a lot of times you're paying those on 30-day uh, windows, right? So every 30 days you get a bill from your 3PL and, and from your carriers, depending on, again, how all those arrangements work in your business, and you're paying them out. And so the cash flow is really different. You're outlaying cash for inventory versus um, versus you don't have to outlay cash in quite the same way for shipping because you've received revenue from a, received money cash from a customer first. So those are all important factors. And that begins to get at another element, which is um, cash flow. So one of the major problems with growing an e-commerce business, uh, one of the major challenges is financing growth. If you are growing quickly, and this is why the stage of the business matters a lot. If you are growing quickly, you have to figure out how to finance the inventory for larger and larger inventory purchases as your business is growing. This is one of the reasons gross, having a high gross margin in your business is a cheat code. Um, if you don't have to outlay as much cash, then it can really, really help uh, to make it so that you can place a larger inventory order without outlaying tons of cash and creating a big strain on the cash in your business. So um, that's, that's a major factor as well. Um, and it gets at this question of how much you can spend on ads because if you are running a business where you don't need to outlay very much cash uh, to do that, you can actually probably spend a little more aggressively on your growth, um, especially if you have a bankable lifetime value. And now this gets into the next element. We'll come back to cash in a second, but this gets into this next element, which is lifetime value. Um, at Common Thread Collective, we think about lifetime value in sort of two time windows because nobody actually has a lifetime to recover the value. You might've heard me say this stat before, right? Lifetime value is nice in, 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 its, uh, in, in theory, right? Let's say you your customer is worth 10X, I mean, a massive number, what their original purchase is. So it's, let's say it's a $100 AOV. They're worth $1,000 to you over time on average. That would be amazing, right? But let's say the time window for them to give you that money is like 20 years. And actually they don't give you most of it for the first three because your product lasts a really long time, whatever. Well, that's a major capitalization problem. Now you need to figure out how to get from today to year three. You're going to get the cash eventually, but uh, eventually is not now. And so how do you sustain your business while you wait for returning customers to be worth more money to you? That's a super extreme example. Um, but I say it that way because I had heard a stat a long time ago, and who knows if it's even true, but it works nicely for this, that um, a, a Starbucks customer is worth $500 to Starbucks. Um over time. Now think about that, right? One $5 coffee at a time. That's a lot of orders, but Starbucks could acquire a customer, uh, um, 
or, or maybe that maybe the stat was that you know they could pay five hundred dollars to acquire a customer and be profitable still. Now that's like wild, right? Because that means that they're willing to recoup the value of that customer over a very long time window, which makes sense if you're Starbucks. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I've also probably said this before, but that has certainly worked with me. I've been worth well more than five hundred dollars to them in my lifetime of Starbucks purchases. So, um, so they're they're winning on that on that deal for me. But, um, but of course, most of us don't have the <laughs> public company war chest of cash that Starbucks has to sustain themselves for that long. Um, and so we, we, we can't exist that way. So at CTC, we think about lifetime value in two different time windows. One of them is 60-day LTV, which is a little bit of an arbitrary number, but we call that a cash multiplier. The idea is within the first two months of, of your business, um, or, or within the first two months of acquiring a customer, how much are they worth to you? Are they worth much more than... Uh, over that shorter time window. Because if they are, then you don't have a very big gap of cash to fill before they come back, before that customer comes back and orders more product. Okay. That that gap of cash to fill, that timeline that you have to make it for is pretty short. And so you can finance that timeline pretty easily. And that could even mean that you could spend pretty aggressively to acquire a new customer. And if you spend fairly aggressively to acquire that new customer, you could actually realize the value of that customer within 60 days. So you maybe even spend it break even on that first customer. And within 60 days, that customer becomes profitable to you and everything else is gravy over time. Um, so, um, so, you know, there's that. And then we also think about LTV on now like sort of a broader, longer time window, whatever the real LTV is, depending on the length of your business as far as you know it. And so that would be sort of like one year, two year, three year. Um, and sort of that's a, a bucket of things. Again, there's a lot of factors for every business. A newer business is not even going to know that information. Uh, a longer standing business may not even want to project it. So maybe 60 day and one year would be the way to think about this, right? Sort of a simple um, baseline to, to, to plan your business around and to plan your ad spend around. Okay, so 60 day, one year, that's, that's the next thing we think about, LTV. And now that again gets to this question of cash, which is how is cash moving in your business? And therefore, um, the next way I would answer this question would be around capitalization. How are you capitalizing your business? Again, if you are a venture-backed um, brand, you, like you are, you're probably spending a ton of money on ads and not worrying very much about um, the timeline to profitability as long as it's within, I don't know, a any number of years, because what you're trying to do is grow a big thing really fast. If you're a bootstrap e-commerce business or a side hustle or something like that, then you have to think really differently about your capitalization because now you actually have to consider the possibility of like, how am I going to get from point A to point B on a cash basis? In that time window from, uh, or, or that um, business uh, capitalization structure window, basically, um, is is basically from venture back to bootstrap side hustle is uh, represents the sort of most aggressive you could spend on uh, on new customers to the least aggressive you could be for for the for the brand that is bootstrapped um, they you probably need to be profitable on first purchase uh, in order to make the business work and keep cash flowing and moving and growing all the time in your business so that you are funding your growth off of your cash that means you know, probably for you, even if you're in a growth phase, depending on your margin, you know, you probably don't want to be spending more than say 30 to 35% of your revenue. Again, I'm assuming a growth phase here, uh, in ads. Now, again, if you're a more established business, another thing's going to happen, which is that, um, 
part of the capitalization of your business at that point becomes returning customer revenue. If, if you are five years in and you've got returning customer revenue growing and growing and growing, then, then more and more of your revenue pie is going to be made up of revenue that is not coming from customers that you have to acquire. And therefore, the, um, the, the percentage of your ad spend, which is aimed at new customer acquisition, the percentage of your ad spend uh, is going to be shrinking across the total of your business. So what is healthy for your business? Well, it depends what stage of business you're in. You're in. It, you know, if, it may be that like, you're spending way too much on ads because you're spending too much on returning customers that you're actually cannibalizing your own value that you should be creating, right? Who knows? So one way we like to think about this is not really so much um, ad spend as a percentage of total revenue, which would be like MER, right? That would be the metric we use for that. But we, we talk about this metric AMER, lowercase a, acquisition MER. And the idea is like um, the same idea, total new customer revenue over total ad spend, um, you know, as, as a ratio. And if you think about it like that, then, um, then AMER becomes its own target. And so you're not even thinking about sort of percentage of ad dollars against total revenue. You're thinking about it against total new customer revenue because that's actually the thing that's going to be powering the that's actually going to be showing you whether or not you're spending good or bad money in your business. Um, so that would be a way that I would actually reframe this question. It's not really about ad spend against total revenue. It's about ad spend against new customer revenue. And that's what you need to be answering. Um, and then you'd be thinking about how returning customer revenue creates value in, in your business over more time. If you're an early stage business, you should project this really conservatively. By the way, um, in um, you know, I, I can tell you like Bamboo Earth, the... Uh, 4500 brand, which is still going, we're still investing in that and, and is, um, is still doing really well, sits at, the, at according to our data set at um, CTC, Bamboo Earth is, is like 99th percentile in 60-day LTV, and it's around 50% growth of AOV. So what I mean is if you had a $100 AOV, that customer would be worth, after that first $100 in that first purchase, day zero purchase, right? They would be worth 50 more dollars over the next 60 days. And that would be like, I, I, that number might've changed a little bit recently, but it's somewhere around 40 to 50% or whatever. And that is 99th percentile against 220 brands of all different sizes, okay? So that, that probably tells you that like, that's the upper bound of what you should be thinking is even possible in your business um, for 60 day LTV. Um, and I've definitely seen plenty of businesses where it's like a 3% growth in 60, 60 days. Like there's basically none to count on and you shouldn't even think about it that way. You need to be profitable on first purchase. Again, that actually gets at another element of what's going on in your business. Are you a business with high repeat revenue like a skincare business that's replenishable and has a subscription element and all those things? Or are you a business that's, um, that's selling a product that's like sort of a one-time purchase. Like when we had FC Goods selling wallets, we would just we didn't really get meaningful customer LTV, customer LTV. And that's because once you had a wallet, you didn't really need another one. And so you, it was a really hard battle and you had to figure this out a really different way. So, um, so whatever those are in your business, that's basically the LTV calculation. That should be factored into your ad spend approach. It, are ads generating the one purchase that most customers will ever make. And if that's the case, that needs to be profitable. You need to spend less on ads. If um, you have uh, unit economics, LTV, and capitalization that is all built for longer-term value capture on returning customers, then you should probably spend more aggressively on, uh, on customer acquisition. And in fact, you should think about the question of capitalization in your business relative to, among other things, that calculation. Do you have a high LTV or do you project a high LTV um, business that you want to make very big? If so, you should probably be thinking about capitalizing that business with um, 
with by raising equity and potentially debt. Um, and that gets into a fourth factor that I would consider. And it's all of this stuff is impossible to think about if you're not thinking about it relative to um, your goals. And I would do everything you could. And if, Nate, if you're listening to this, who asked me this question, I would get as clear as possible on what the goal, what the really, really what the goal is for this business on a short-term timeline and a long-term timeline. I would think 10, you know, sort of use the EOS traction idea here, like a 10-year window, a three-year window, and a one-year window. Like what is, what are you really trying to accomplish on those timeframes and work back from there? Without those targets and goals in place, it's going to be really, really hard for you to make good decisions here. It's going to be really, really hard. So I like, I would be, I would be saying like, if I'm trying to go to the moon with this thing, if that's, if I really believe this business has that potential, then, uh, then I would probably think about capitalizing it with external money, right? If I don't think that, or if I'm not the kind of founder who wants to take on the obligation of investors and, um, take on the sort of grind of investors and, and the upside, uh, sort of make myself beholden to the upside of, of, uh, you know, raising early, early money in a business. If I don't want to pursue all that, then I'm not going to go raise that money. And I need to be realistic then about the goals for my business from there. Then you're looking at, okay, maybe this could be a 10 million, $20 million business, but you're not trying necessarily to go to the moon. Um, and of course there are exceptions there. There are hundred million dollar businesses that are self-funded and it's very impressive. And I've worked in them and been around those founders and, and all that stuff too. So if that's your goal and that's your goal, but that's probably not going to happen tomorrow. Okay. Um, so so all of those questions need, need to be factored into a question like this. So let me just replay that because I think this helps us answer the question basically, okay? Um, start, and I would actually kind of work that backwards. So I would start with this question. What's the intended timeline? And the way that I would answer this question is to shareholder equity creation, to shareholder value creation. What I mean is, at what point am I trying to generate value for the shareholders of this business, even if I'm the only shareholder? At what point am I trying to do that? And what would my ideal goal be in order to get us there? And then how do I get there? Okay. So that would be the first question I would answer as much get with as much clarity as I possibly could. Then I would go answer the capitalization question from there. And I would say, okay, how do I want to capitalize my business to get where I'm trying to go? From there, I would then go into the details. So I actually went the other way when I just explained this because that's the way that's sort of most logical to most people. But if you, um, I started with unit economics and went LTV, capitalization, and then time timeline and goals, okay? But I actually think when you're answering the question, you should go the way I'm saying now. Start with your goals, then go to your capitalization, then think about unit economics and LTV, okay? Which are sort of these inherent elements, DNA of your actual brand and product itself. How are those creating value and in what ways? And what ways can I project? And then, after I answered those questions, now I can answer the question, what is my target ad spend? With that clarity, then you might say, um, Nate said that he's got 70% gross margin. Now, I don't know if gross margin there includes shipping to the customer and if it includes merchant uh, merchant account fees and returns and all the things elements of this that I said, right? 70% gross margin, self-funded business. They just got their first customers last month, so they don't know LTV. By the way, if that's you, if you're early in the LTV curve, project it conservatively, conservatively, conservatively. It's hard to generate LTV in an e-commerce business, and I would be realistic about how many people are going to be buying again, but I would be tracking that carefully and thinking about it carefully. Okay, so I would say if I'm Nate, I'm not I'm not projecting hardly any LTV. I don't even know what the product is here, but if it's replenishable, maybe I'd project a little more LTV. If it's not replenishable, I'd maybe project a little less. If there's no product development plan, I'd... I'd project less, et cetera. 
And so let's let's just take his numbers. He's a $100 AOV. That makes our math easy. That's nice. 70% uh, gross margin. Let's say I want to be profitable on first purchase and I'm in an early, early stage of this business. And this is an important factor. Um, and he doesn't know what his timeline to shareholder equity creation is. He says he's thinking about it. it's a side hustle right now, but maybe make it a full hustle in the next 12 to eight months, 12 to 18 months. Okay. So, so, uh, sorry, I said that really quickly. Nate said he wants to make his business a full hustle in the next 12 to 18 months, move from side hustle to full, full-time thing. Okay. Now, now you've begun to create some sense of what you need. So what I would ask is how much money do you need to make Nate? How much money do you need to be able to pay yourself to make this into a full-time thing at 12 to 18 months? I, and this is another factor that really matters. I'm a 38 year old with two kids. Like the reality is I'm not going to pay myself, you know, 45 grand on a startup or whatever, right? Like take the thinnest possible salary I possibly could um, in order to uh, grow something that I think can go to the moon. Just not doing it. Just not the life stage that I'm in. If I was 21 and I, or if I was 18 or something, then sure. I, I'm going to, I'm going to live with two roommates, all, share, all sharing, uh, having the same room. I'm going to minimize my expenses. I'm going to work all the time because it's a really fun project and I'm going to pay myself as little as possible to make this a full-time thing and see what I can create. Okay. So that's another, another factor here. So, um, and that directly answers that. I mean, that directly gets to the question of how much you can spend on ads, by the way, right? Like it really does because how much OPEX you're going to take out of the business is a big question. So I would so if, if you've got a hundred dollar AOV, seventy percent gross margin, twelve to eighteen months, you would like to be paying yourself some amount of money. Then I would work back from there and say, okay, how much profit do I need left over left over in time, and on in raw dollars, like how how much raw dollars do I need uh, to to get where I'm trying to go to make those things happen, okay? Uh, and and am I funding the growth on? Um, you know, you may be able to generate some capital with an SBA loan or something like that. But am I trying to fund the growth myself? Um, okay, so then maybe you would say um, if you're trying to create, let's say, a hundred thousand dollars in profit out of which you can pay yourself sixty grand at the early stage of the business. If you're running this alone, um, and you want to keep some profit in the business, then that means you you've got, uh, let's say. Uh, gosh, I don't, I'm not even trying to work out the math right now. You get the idea. If you're trying to create that number, then you have to figure out how much money you need to create, how much revenue you need to create at what margin, uh, to have that much money left over in profit and not just profit, but cash. How much cash do you need to keep buying the next round of inventory to keep the growth going? Um, and then adjust that relative to how fast you want to be growing. So that's the way I would answer this question. Maybe that puts you at a point of like, oh, I'm going to spend 50% of my money on ads. And I'm going to be at a two to one in the early stage of the business. And I'm going to get some timeline. Uh, I'm going to get some value creation over time. And if I can get to a million bucks and that gives me, you know, 70% uh, gross margin, that's, you know, 70% gross margin and 50% cost of ads. And I can get to a million dollar business. That's $200,000 left over to pay myself, pay some OPEX, pay all those other things. Eh, maybe that's where you start. And that's the way I would think about answering that question. Uh, so, there it is. Not a clear answer at the end of the day, but a way to think about the question. And I hope that's more helpful anyway than just a number. All right. That was fun. <laughs> um, Nate sent me that question. I like love getting a listener question on something like that. It's just fun work, I think. And um, hopefully that's some help if you're especially in an earlier stage of the business and trying to think about this. 
this kind of question. So um, hopefully some help to you as always. That's the goal. Just trying to as much as possible help you think more clearly about your business, how to grow it um, and, and how to be as effective as possible. If you have any questions, if you have any feedback, anything like that, please send them to me. The best way to do that is to DM me on Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris. Get involved with DZ Twitter. It's a good spot. Um, at Andrew J. Ferris is the best way to do that. Like I said, DM me there. Um, uh, otherwise, rate, review, subscribe, do all the stuff. Share it with somebody. Please, that would be great. We would really appreciate that. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you 